Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome once again to Connect Church Online. As always, it is such a privilege and honor to be with you and to be able to unpack God's words together. If you're with us for the first time, uh, we are in a series called Burning on Our Hearts. And what we're doing is essentially taking messages or words that have been burning on our hearts and, and sharing them with one another. This morning, I want to speak to you about understanding or identifying the times that we are living in. I'm sure that you've experienced this in your life, that understanding a situation or circumstance that you're in or what's going on around you and knowing what to do, given your understanding and discernment of that space that you're in, is often the difference in sport uh, between winning and losing, making a comeback or staying down. Uh, in business, understanding the environment you're in and the times you're in and being discerning and knowing what to do is often the difference between making money or not making money, having your business be successful or not, su- not successful. Um, and there are often situations in life where understanding the circumstances around you and knowing the season that you're in and knowing what to do can mean the difference between life and death. And it really is the same with our faith. As Christians, being able to discern and understand the season we're in and the times we're in is really a key for us becoming incredibly effective Christians and reaching a lost world around us with the gospel so that many more will enter into the kingdom of heaven and get to celebrate eternity with Jesus. Not understanding the season that we're in and being able to identify the times we're in and not knowing what to do in light of the season we're in really carries with it some incredibly grave consequences. The least of which is being ineffective as a Christian. The most severe of which is ending up spending eternity in hell. And I know that for many of us, we recognize and realize that the times we live in are quite perplexing and challenging. But for us as Christians, the season we live in also, despite the fact that it's perplexing, challenging and tough, the season presents us with a lot of ministry opportunities that we otherwise wouldn't have had. And I think to some uh, degree, there's a greater extent or, or, or to a greater extent more than ever before, there are opportunities for us now to minister in a way that we see the kingdom of God coming in a way we haven't seen before. But to effectively, like I said, serve the Lord, to effectively take advantage of the season we're in, we have to understand the season that we're in. To take hold of the opportunities, we have to be discerning and know what to do. There's a scripture I'm going to read. It's not going to come up on your screen, but it's from 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's a story or this account of when David um, was, 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 was being supported by a whole bunch of men, his mighty men. And, and some of these men are referred to as the sons of Issachar. And God's word says that they were men who had understanding of the times and they knew what Israel should do because of their understanding of those times. They knew what Israel should do in those times specifically. A time when Saul was still king and David needed to be made king and they knew and they saw what God was doing. And so they came along and they supported David because of the understanding and discernment they had of what was necessary. And so in many ways, we really have to be like that as Christians. We need to have understanding like the men of Issachar had so we can take hold of the opportunities God has given us in this season to reach the lost and to be effective for him. In researching uh, the word understanding as it relates to the sons of Issachar, uh, I found out that the, the word for understanding used in that passage is the Hebrew word bina. And uh, it comes from a root word which means to separate something 
mentally and to be able to distinguish its parts. And essentially what the word does is it, is it, is it, is it introduces this idea of intelligence and wisdom and even cunning and skill when it comes to understanding something. In other words, it's not just an understanding of the facts, but a real skill uh, to be able to analyze um, what something truly means and to be able to identify something for what it really is. And I feel as Christians and as a church, we need to be like the sons of Issachar who are able to skillfully analyze their times and perceive correctly what those times require of us and what they're all about. Like they knew exactly what to do because of the circumstances they found themselves in. So we too need to be able to know what to do given the times that we live in. It's what we so desperately need. It's what we so desperately need to be praying for in our time. That the Lord would help us to understand the times. Not to be ignorant. Not to be unaware. Not to, like the age-old adage, be like an ostrich who buries his head in the sand and pretends like what's going on around us isn't going on around us. But to be aware, to be alert, to be discerning, to be wise, and to then jump into action and take hold of the opportunities God has given to us. So really, the question then is, what are the times we're living in? How would we define the times that we're living in? And I'm sure if you had to ask 100 people, you have 100 different answers. You know, 2020, there's been so many memes made about 2020 and what 2020 is like and how it's going to be, you know, uh, recorded in history. It's like one of the most crazy, uh, unpredictable years of all time. But Jesus really defines the season that we're living in for us uh, in Matthew chapter 24 where he's speaking to his disciples and he's reminding them of a parable. He says this, now, now learn from the parable of the fig tree. As soon as its branches have become tender and it begins to sprout its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, that he is right at the door. Now, what is Jesus speaking about here? Well, he's speaking about the end times. He's speaking about the second coming. He's speaking about the wrapping up of all of time and the introduction of eternity. He's speaking about when the king returns, when he returns, when he comes to take the sheep to be with him, his people who know his voice, who love him to be with him and to separate the goats from them and to send all those who don't know him to hell. He's telling them that as that as obvious as it is to tell that summer's coming by looking at a fig tree and what happens in a fig tree, the softening of the branches, the sprouting of the leaves, as obvious as it is to tell that the summer season is approaching by looking at a fig tree, so it is also obvious to tell that the times are coming to an end and that Jesus is returning by looking at the signs around us. Hebrews 1 says this, God has spoken to us in these last days through his son. Church, the season we are living in is a season of the last days, the end of all things. From the cross to now, it's been defined as last days. And I believe if we look at the signs around us and we are perceptive and discerning, we are in the last of the last days. We're living in the days of the new covenant. We're living in the days of the open doors or open door, so to speak, where the bridegroom, Jesus, is right at the door and he's about to enter. It's the last of the last days. 
Now, some of you might be feeling a little bit awkward and a little bit uncomfortable thinking that I'm going to come up with a date and a time. Obviously, we know if we're biblical and we're scriptural and we're rooted in God's word, we know that we can't start calling out days and times and dates like many have done in the past and failed and embarrassed themselves. Um, God's word says that no one knows the day or the hour, not even the son himself, only the father knows. So this isn't a message to say, I've had a dream or I have had a revelation from the Lord and this is the day he's going to arrive or this is the hour he's going to arrive or this is the month of the year he's going to arrive. That's not what this is about. We can't do that. No one knows the time or the hour except the Father himself. But as unbiblical as it is to do that, it is equally unbiblical to be unaware and not to pay attention and not to be perceptive and discerning about the season and the times we do live in. Because when Jesus returns, it will be like a thief in the night when it is least expected. To deny the signs of the times is as unbiblical as it is to be consumed with its imminence and start to predict times and dates. It's a season where we both know his coming is imminent but we also don't know exactly when. It's a season where the kingdom of God has come and it is still to fully come. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy about the last days. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 to 5, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. I don't know about you, but that writing of Paul to Timothy telling him what the sounds of the last times are going to be like, it's almost as if we're reading out of these verses an extract from a morning newspaper that we receive in our gate or our post box every morning. Or it's like we're reading something that we see on TV when we switch on the news and we watch the morning or the evening news. It's, it's as if these things are so current and up to date. It's like Paul sat down and wrote to us a very description of the times we are living in. The truth is, church, Jesus is coming back and his coming is imminent. And the signs really are all around us. This is the season that we're in. These are the times that we're in. These are the days that we are in. And when Jesus comes again, his word says in 1 Corinthians, it will be in a moment. It'll be like a twinkling of the eye for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Goes on in Thessalonians to say, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will be raised first. It's going to happen like this. It's going to happen soon. We are in the last days. We don't know when it is going to happen. And I think so often we don't focus on this because we just take each new day or the, the coming of each new day for granted. We just take for granted that the sun's going to set tonight. We take for granted that it's going to rise on Monday morning. We take for granted that we're going to have days and weeks and months and years ahead of us. But if you've ever been in a place or situation like I have, 
You'll know what I'm talking about when I say when something unexpected happens, it was really unexpected and it can flip your day upside down like this. I remember when, when I almost lost my life. It was a time when I came to know Jesus. It was a beautiful day. It was a sunny day. I was hanging out with friends on a farm and I did not know that that afternoon my life was going to be slipping away from me and that I would need to cry out to Jesus for his grace in order to be saved. It was a day that I just took for granted. I had plans for that evening. I had plans for that weekend. And I ended up in hospital for 16 days in ICU for four days. And I almost lost my life. That morning, I woke up feeling like it was going to be another great day. But something came along to derail my plans and my thoughts. And when that moment happened, when I had that chlorine bomb explode in my hands, and I'd love to tell you about it sometime, so get hold of me and I'll chat with you about it. That's a side thing. But when that happened and my life was slipping away from me, it was a surreal moment where I didn't want it to be real, but it was real. And I was trying to process the reality of what was happening and how instant it was and how unexpected it was. And that's what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. We're going to be going about our daily lives thinking that just the next day is going to come and the next thing's going to happen and the next weekend's going to roll around and the next birthday is going to come and the next Christmas is going to come and the next Easter. And all of a sudden, it could happen right now before the message is even over, but Jesus shows up and when he shows up and when he returns church this is the thing that really grabs my heart and what's really burning on my heart why we need to understand the times we're in and be effective and take hold and be wise of the season that we're in and be prepared is because when Jesus returns he's not coming back as gentle Jesus meek and mild he's coming back as the king of glory and the lord of lords and the king of kings it says in Revelation 19, 11 to 18, John, uh, the, the apostle John, the disciple John's writing on the island of Patmos. He's writing about a vision. He's, he's, he's recording a vision that the Lord's given to him. And part of it is what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back again. And he says, I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many crowns. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except he himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it, he may struck down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried out with a loud voice saying to all the birds that fly in mid heaven, come assemble for the great feast of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all people, both free and slaves and small and great church. When Jesus returns, which is soon it is not going to be like we've pictured more often than not. It is going to be a terrifyingly glorious day. A day where I believe no matter how close we are, we fall at his feet as though dead like Apostle John did when he saw Jesus before Jesus gave him the book of Revelation to write. 
That day is going to be terrifying for all of us when the Son of God rips open the heavens and reveals himself for who he truly is. And all will fall, all will bow, and every tongue will confess in the light of his glory that he is God. And on that day, for many of us, rejoicing will come when, like for John, he fell at his feet at Jesus. He fell at Jesus' feet as though dead. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, do not be afraid, for it is only me. I love you. For many of us, the fear and the terror of seeing the King of glory and all his brilliance is going to be overcome by him reaching out to us and saying, come into my presence. It's me, the one that you know, the one that you love. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But for many on that day, it will be the most terrifying day of their lives and the terror will not be eased because Jesus will say, now get away from me. I never knew you. <laughs> that day is coming soon. And I don't think many people are aware of it. Not many people perceive it. Not many people have discerned it. So what do we do about it and how should we be living in light of his return? This should stir up in us and, and cause us to be in, in many ways positively anxious and excited. Not anxious or nervous in a bad way, but excited and expectant and eager to get on with the things of the kingdom. God's word teaches us that we need to be wise we need to keep watch and we need to be ready. And Jesus helps us to understand what that looks like by telling a parable later on in Matthew chapter 25. It speaks about 10 virgins who were to ex escort um, a bridegroom to, to, to the reception venue where he was going to have a party and celebrate being married to his wife. It says this, Now while the groom was delaying, they all became drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there finally was a shout. Behold, the groom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish virgins said to the prudent ones, Give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. However, the prudent ones answered, No, there most certainly would not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the groom came and those who were ready went in with them to the wedding feast and the door was shut. Yet later, the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, because you do not know the day nor the hour. Now, in this parable, the bride is the unseen church in the story. It's the church that Jesus is coming back for. The ten virgins represent different people. Those who are saved and those who aren't saved. Those who are wise and those who aren't wise. It's a story of a stark contrast between five unwise people and five wise people. All of them were supposed to prepare. All of them had heard that the bridegroom was coming. All of them were meant to be waiting expectantly to receive him. Unfortunately, five were more prepared than the others. Five were not expecting him to take as long as he did, to come as late into the night as he did. They didn't prepare to face the long dark of the night ahead, and so they ran out of oil. 
And I preached the whole message on this in one of our morning services. And so I'm not going to dig into it too much here. But the bottom line, the main emphasis of this parable is that every single one of us needs to pay particular attention and should put a lot of time, energy and effort into being prepared, into preparing ourselves for the bridegroom's return, for the return of Jesus. We need to be paying attention, being wise, making preparation for the return of the king. The saved in the story, the wise virgins, the five wise virgins who had enough oil, not only in their lamps, but in flasks, who were ready for when the groom arrived. They're like people who know Jesus, who are saved, who think long term. We have eternity in mind. We don't just live for the here and the now. We take action and prepare ourselves spiritually. We're always ready, waiting, expecting our king to return. The wise are likened to those who know that no matter how much time you have lived on earth, no matter how much time you think you've got left, no one actually knows when your life's going to end, whether naturally or supernaturally. The wise live as if each day were their last, but prepare as if it weren't. The foolish, on the other hand, only think about the here and the now. They're the ones who've heard about Jesus or refuse to hear about him or have heard about him and do nothing about it. There's no forward thinking. There's no preparation. There's no awareness or concern for the times. There's no understanding what's happening and perceiving that time is coming to an end and time is running out. The sand in the hourglass is very, very low and the last grains are slipping through. There's no expectation for the arrival of Jesus or they're thinking to themselves, oh, I will will get ready at some point. He's been 2,020 years in the coming. There's probably going to be a whole lot more. People have been saying we're in the last days for 2,020 years. Surely it can't be tomorrow or today or the next day. So there's always a putting off of coming to know Jesus, of giving your life to him, of returning to the faith if you've walked away and grown cold. Although there may at times be good intent on the part of foolish people, they remain foolish because their intent remains intent and it never becomes action. Perhaps the five unwise virgins always had meant to get their lives right, had always maybe meant to go get spare oil and to prepare themselves for the long journey or to prepare themselves for uh, the groom being delayed. Perhaps they desired to go to the party and and to be part of the festivities, but their laziness, their lack of discernment, their lack of perception, understanding of the times and what was necessary led to them not experiencing what they desired to experience and ultimately being left out in the dark. They never really did anything about their good intentions. They just remained good intentions. And church, the sad reality of the fact is this, or the sad reality of the matter is this, hell is going to be filled with people who had good intentions and never followed through. Hell is going to be populated with people who meant well, but never actually honored the king with their actions and with their lives, who never really prepared and gave their hearts over to him, but always had a desire to. Some of you may say, well, this parable 
tells you know a story where uh, five had extra oil and five didn't surely the five with extra oil could have just shared with the five who didn't the fact that they didn't share doesn't seem very christian-like how does that work we need to remember that this is just a parable that jesus is telling to highlight a spiritual truth and you know Parables and analogies, you can only take them so far before they start to break down. Jesus is just trying to help us understand the spiritual truth. And the truth he's trying to get across is this, that some things in life just can't be shared. A relationship with God cannot be on your own terms. It needs to be according to his terms. And he says, you personally need to come to him through the blood of Jesus spilt on the cross for you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and only you can come to him. You make a personal decision. Someone else cannot be saved for you. The wise among us learn very quickly that some things just cannot be given to other people if you possess them yourself. You can't borrow education. You can't borrow experience. You can't borrow character or reputation you either have your own or you got to do without and most certainly above all else everyone has to have their own faith for those of us who are walking with Jesus who know and love the Lord Jesus this should really drive us to our knees in 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 prayer and in preparation So we can be used by God to see people who are unwise at the moment, who aren't being prepared, who aren't perceiving and discerning the times and what's necessary. We pray and we're driven to see that they would know Jesus, hear about the gospel. And as much as it is, it is within our power to see them come to know Jesus. Perhaps you've got a spouse, or you've got sons or daughters, friends, relatives that are still on the outside, still unwise, still unprepared, who aren't worried about that day when the king returns or what will happen to them. Perhaps they fooled themselves into thinking that they're okay because they're a good person. It's time for us to, to pray unceasingly for them. It's time for us to preach the gospel boldly. It's time for us not only to preach the gospel boldly with our words, but with the way that we live. It's vital that we do this and necessary that we do this because Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then he goes on to say, so ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields church it's time to expect a harvest it's time to see the harvest around us it's time to be willing to go out into the fields and get our hands dirty for the sake of the eternity of people who don't know jesus this is why it is so important to discern and to know and to understand the times that we live in because many people are going to go to hell because they've been unwise and unprepared God has given us this gift of Jesus that we carry in us by the Spirit, that we live and we experience on a daily basis, and that is not something we need to keep to ourselves. Time is coming to an end. All of time is being wrapped up. We are in the last of the last days, and we need to be living wise. We need to be living discerning lives, watching out, being ready, and preparing. We can't be lazy about our faith. We can't ex expect it to be somebody else's job. There needs to be a fire lit 
in our hearts and in our souls for the lost. And even for ourselves, that we would fan into flame these things that God has given us so we can bring him glory. And so I want to end this morning by speaking about what it looks like. What does keeping watch and being wise and being ready really look like? And I could have come up with my own points and summarized some scripture. But every now and then you find a scripture that sort of just says it exactly the way it is for you. And makes your point way better than you could ever. And so I'm going to read a scripture from 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 to 22, and then we're going to wrap up. But this is what it looks like. This is the definition of what it's like to keep watch, to be wise, to be ready, and to be discerning. To be like those five wise virgins who were expecting the bridegroom to arrive and had made preparations. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 to 22 says this, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant, pregnant woman. And they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are called, for you are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Encourage one another and build one another up. Be at peace amongst yourselves. Admonish the idle. That means rebuke those who are not doing what they're supposed to do with their faith. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirits. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good and abstain from every evil. Succinctly put, this is what Paul is saying to the Thessalonians. You need to know, you need to love, you need to serve, you need to be obedient, and you need to follow Jesus. You need Jesus. That's what you need most of all in these days. That's what everybody needs, whether they know it or believe it or desire it. You need to know Jesus. And you need to, as a result of that, be holy, be set apart, be different because of who you know and who you serve and the times that we're living in. You know, too often Christians or the church looks very much like the world. God says, come out from them. Be holy as I am holy. Live obedient, godly lives because time is short and I am coming soon. This is what it means to be prepared. Encourage one another. Build one another up. Be at peace. Make sure relationships are right. Rebuke yourself when you're being idle. Rebuke idle Christians. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient. Love. Rejoice. Pray. Give thanks. Don't quench the Spirit. Embrace the work of the Spirit. Embrace the gifts that God has given you. Use them for the glory of his name to see the gospel and the kingdom preached and extended throughout the world. Matthew chapter 5, this won't come up on the screen, but Matthew chapter 5 verse 16, it says, Do this so that you may let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Church, understanding the season and the times we're in is the difference 
between doing the right thing and the wrong thing. Well, understanding the times and the season we're in is, is the difference between knowing what to do and when to do it and not knowing what to do and when to do it. And that means the difference between eternity in heaven and eternity and eternity in hell for a lot of people. It literally is about saving a person's life. For us, it's about being ready to receive Jesus. As Christians, it's about being on our guard and being expectant and being used by God to see many more come to him. It's about you and the people that God can use for uh, his glory and who he can bring into the kingdom. I hope that that makes sense and, and I hope that you are challenged and encouraged just as much as I am. That's what was burning on my heart to have us focus and, and be prepared for what is to come. His, his return is imminent. His coming is soon. Although we don't know the day or the hour, we know it is soon and we know that he's called us to be wise, to be ready and to be prepared, to be used by him for his glory, to bring others into the kingdom. So let's pray. Let's, 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 let's ask the Lord to light that fire in our hearts and, and for us as a church to live that way. Lord Jesus, we, we want to praise you and we want to thank you for your word and we want to ask that you would stir up in our hearts a desire to be like the five wise virgins who were ready and expectant, who knew what to do, who discerned the times, who discerned ahead of time what could happen and what was required in order to be prepared. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us into that, that we would make preparations, that we would be ready, that we would never take for granted the seasons or the season we're in and the days that we have available to us to live and to serve, to live for you and to serve you, to live out the life you've called us to and to be used by you to to lead people to knowing you and spending eternity with you. Help us to be effective, Lord Jesus, as a church, to continue the work of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be able to identify accurately the times we live in, to pay attention, to be wise, and to be an effective tool in your hand. For those who don't know you, Jesus, we pray that they would come to know you. For those who've walked away from you, Lord, may they return to you. Restore to them that first love. May they move away from being lukewarm. May they be ice cold and refreshing for you, Lord, or hot and soothing. Either way, Lord, we pray that we'd be a church who functions the way that you want us to. Individuals who function the way that you want us to in these last days. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Church, bless you. It's been wonderful being with you this morning. If there's anything you'd like prayer for, if you'd like to talk to me about this message or share with me what's on your heart or the community, you can get a hold of the church office. You can phone me. My cell phone number will be up on the screen. The church office will be up. The office number will be up on the screen. My email address will be up on the screen. Get hold of me however you want. So thank you once again, everybody, for being with us. Uh, we would love to pray for you. Like I said, we'd love to hear from you. Hope that you have a blessed rest of your Sunday and that we get to see each other again soon. Please don't hesitate to contact me or the church office. We'd love to hear from you. Bless you and we'll see you soon, hopefully. Bye.